This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Listen, God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. This evening, family, we want to discuss what you see as the title of tonight's Solid Talk, which is The Talking Trap. The Talking Trap. What do I mean by this? Now, I've said many times on this channel that what we have going on in our culture today, in our world today, is a war of words. And it certainly is a war of words. It's a war of words because words are being created in order to form certain narratives, in order to form certain realities. It is it is definitely a war of words because, as I've said on here before, time and time again, God created everything based on words, right, or from words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is the word of God, right? But what's happening is the devil is coming with his own variation of false words and false doctrines, right? And what these are doing is it is conditioning this world to be formed in such a way that is anti-Christ. Now, understanding that it's a war of words, right? What I was meditating on a little bit today is is this idea. And this is something I've thought about before as well. When you think about how we relate to one another today, so much of what we do is digital. So much of what we do is online. It's over Twitter. It's over Facebook. It's over Instagram. It's over YouTube. It's over all of these social mediums, right? It's over all of these different type of platforms and apps that we have. And I'm thinking about people's desire to create change or even people's desire to persuade other people. And what I'm realizing is that even though so much of what is going on today is a war of words, these words online really are becoming very vain. If they were even if they even had some some precedent in the first place, right? Some 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 punch in the first place, but it's very vain because basically what people do today is they have an idea, they have a theory, they have a belief. And then you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, you make a status, and then you see how many likes you get from that status. You see how many people have have hearted your status or liked your status or shared your status. And then you basically just do that. And if you disagree with somebody, something that they post, you go on their status and then you say something witty or something catchy or something to refute what they've said. And you just kind of have this idea that we're actually accomplishing something by doing that. It's this idea that because I go on Twitter and I type, uh, you know, 160 characters or however much it is, I guess they expanded it. But because I make the decision that I want to go on Twitter or social media or Facebook and do this thing, somehow I'm creating some sort of change. Now, the issue with this is while everybody is burning all of this fuel, you know, on social media, even on YouTube, as I'm on this this podcast right now, <laughs> You know, as I'm on this live stream right now, believing that, you know, hopefully I'm creating change because, 
you know, we can influence. Right. But the the point I'm trying to get to in this discussion is, have we gotten so conditioned with intangible banter that the actual changes that are happening in the world are not even affected by it? So what I'm saying is that we can sit here on Twitter and on social media and all of this all day. But while folks are going back and forth, getting into these rants and these discussions and arguments and stuff like that, while folks, you know, might even have a hundred thousand or a million followers and things like that in our world, we're still seeing tangible changes and decisions that are being made despite of what we see going on, because what we really have going on is just a lot of back and forth. People have already made up their minds. I, I believe that our country is so polarized right now that it's going to take a lot to win over anybody. You know, so many issues have put people on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence that folks have their minds made up. They have their agendas made up. And really, it's just a lot of people going back and forth that that aren't going to change. It's just like arguments in real life. I learned maybe around like age 26 that most people who engage in arguments, they're not really trying to grow or learn. They're simply trying to win. And the reason I'm having this discussion tonight is because I believe that social media is a distraction that has made it so that whatever the forces of evil want to bring in, they can bring in these things basically, basically unimpeded right? <laughs> Basically at their own discretion, because as soon as you make a decision, all that's going to happen is somebody's going to make a video about it. Somebody's going to tweet about it and they're going to go back and forth. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it because everybody is sitting back in the comfort of their own homes. And this is kind of where we are today. So I want to read this quote to you. And this is a quote, forgive me, because I don't really know everywhere, you know, where exactly it's from. But I want to read this quote. Some of you may have heard it before, but this quote says, and I'm told that this is, well, according to this article, this is from a post-apocalyptic novel by the author G. Michael Humph. <laughs> I hope I said that right. But basically he says this, he says, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. I'm going to read that one more time just in case somebody didn't catch it. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. Now, what he proposes is that this is a cycle vision of his. This is a, 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 a cyclical vision of history, basically something that this particular author has examined history and he's seen this go back and forth all throughout the history of time. And there's a, I believe there's a term for this, but I don't know the term. It might be called the Freeman Mirage debated, you know, uh, as it's called in this article. But the point is, what he's basically saying is this, civilization faces adversity and strong men get them through that adversity. But once they get to a place of comfort, a place of good times, as it's called in this quote, a place of what we have today, which is luxury, entertainment. Listen, and if you live in America, 
there's a good chance that you have at your fingertips you have the internet you have a cell phone you have netflix you have amazon prime you have disney plus you have video games you have big 70 inch tvs you have probably hopefully you know you got a place to live not everybody but the point i'm trying to make is in the grand scheme of things when you look throughout world history america for the longest time has been at really good times we we have had a life of luxury and i believe my generation especially has been a product of these good times you know i feel like we're the entertainment generation right what did we have we have television you had the black and white tvs then you move to the color tvs the big screen tvs then you move to the video games then you move to the internet right and i'm born in 84 i'm kind of right in that place where it's you know we were the video game generation by the grace of god we did go outside and play <laughs> so i got to experience that praise the lord because some of these kids today don't even go outside and play but we were also that generation where we were heavy on the electronics and it created really good times and the problem with this is that when change needs to be made or even more specifically when things need to be stopped we're not going to stand up against these things because we have decisions to make and the decisions that we are making are these right am i going to compromise or jeopardize my life of luxury to take on this battle that i might not necessarily want to face right you know nobody wants to engage in war if they don't have to but the fact of the matter is that sometimes just because of how life is there's going to be conflict there's going to be war listen they had a war in heaven <laughs> they had a war in heaven so if they had a war in heaven you know there's going to be a war down there's going to be wars down here in earth and so i want to throw my disclaimer out here right now i'm not promoting any type of um civil unrest or any type of um <laughs> uh you know civil war or anything like that but the fact of the matter is that the reason why so much of satan's agenda is able to go forth unimpeded is because he has removed most men out the way that's the first thing and when i say move them out the way i'm not saying they don't exist but what i'm saying is they are they are males but they are not men and the responsibility of men is protection is defense so he's moved most men out of the way by either emasculating them, effeminizing them, ostracizing them, or distracting them. And I believe the distraction is the main one. You know, guys are so infatuated. See, guys, this conflict I'm talking about, it's embedded in men. That's why God gave us testosterone, right? So we kind of have this build that God has given us to where if danger presents itself, if conflict presents itself, then we are to respond. Now, what the devil does is he takes that same trait, but he moves it to other areas. So instead of you worrying about that, you're worrying about, okay, what are the Lakers doing? And you're sitting here arguing with a, a Lakers, uh, you're a Lakers fan arguing with a Celtics fan and y'all are going back and forth. And that's the way you're kind of exercising your manhood by sitting in a barbershop and arguing with somebody for 12 hours a day instead of actually going out into the community 
and in you know going out and being a part of the church and actually creating some real change that actually needs to happen and of course the other distraction he has for men obviously is women he's been doing that since the beginning of time so when you make lust able to be realized more readily by the sexual revolution pornography promiscuity creating more harlots and stuff like that and less wives then basically what you're doing is you're you're taking the fight out of that man and you're moving him to a place where his focus is off and what that does is it allows for the enemy to come in and do all of these different things so what we're experiencing today is we're experiencing all of these changes that are happening we see changes in government we see changes in policy and it's it is facing very little resistance the resistance that it is facing is basically online it's basically online because some somebody does something then somebody goes on and makes a post about it and they think that that's supposed to change something and this is why i'm asking a discussion question tonight which says are we being handicapped by entertainment and banter are we being handicapped by entertainment and banter right and by entertainment what i really mean by that is luxury is 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 the luxury that we have getting us to a place where we are not willing to stand for anything because we're afraid of what we could potentially lose we're afraid of what we could potentially lose so what i've done i've placed a link in the chat if anybody wants to join in and kind of chat it up with me about this or anything i've said so far but if you look at what's happening around us today i believe that there's a lot of social engineering that has been going on probably it's been going on for a while but i feel like within the last two years especially 2020 and 2021 there's just been a a huge social engineering exercise and i believe that it's a precursor i believe that it's a test run for some things that the enemy wants to do in the future if you think about this biblically the bible says that the antichrist when he comes on the scene it says that he's going to be able to change times and laws he's going to be able to change times and laws how is he going to be able to change these times and laws because when he does it he's going to face little to no resistance the first part of that is the fact that a lot of people are going to already be on board with him the bible says that he causeth all both great and small young and old to take the mark of the beast right which is the either the mark of the beast the image of the beast or the number of his name so the first part of the problem is that most of the people are already hypnotized enough to go along with these times and laws that are being changed but we see this happening right here in our country today where all of these different policies are just being changed and every level-headed person is sitting back like okay how did this happen or, or who's who just allows the president to just make ultimatums to the country <laughs> like don't we have a constitution don't we have policy that we go through don't we have um procedures that we go through but this spirit of the antichrist is able to run rampant and the reason why it's able to run rampant is because folks are being conditioned not to show up i'm not saying you got to show up and start fighting but i'm just saying 
folks have been conditioned not to show up when you have this convenience of being behind the screen and making some bold statement and then cutting on netflix right you're less inclined to actually show up and a good example of what happens when you do show up i remember this situation happened maybe like five years ago it was so weird because the church of satan was trying to prove a point about religious liberty and they wanted to create a satanic club in various parts of the country so there were probably i don't remember like maybe five or seven schools where they were trying to implement a satanist club because you can have all these other different clubs in these schools you know chess club drama club poetry club whatever you know uh cheerleaders football team whatever the case may be and i guess it to troll but also maybe to actually get their agenda ahead they wanted to uh move forward with these clubs and it just so happens that one of these one of the schools they chose was literally like probably a 10 minute walk up the street from where i live today and there's a brother i know i don't know him too well but i would i know him through somebody and i would occasionally see him at the uh at the bus stop and so he and I were communicating at that time. And, and, and it just so happened that his children went to one of these schools where they were trying to implement this club. So what they did was they got together and they organized some people to show up and they showed up. They didn't fight. They didn't do anything like that. But what they did was they let their presence be known. They went and they walked around that school and they prayed and they made it known. We don't want this entering into this elementary school. And when they did that, guess what the club didn't go forward i'm gonna see if i can find that article it's gonna be real hard for me to find it <laughs> i'm gonna just tell you that right now but you know where are the people that are showing up when they have these drag queen story times where are the people that are showing up when um you know this little nas x dude is uh marketing himself to children and then lap dancing on satan you know where where is where is the cry for that it almost reminds me of the children of Israel where it was like they would always in a book of Judges, for example, if you read the book of Judges, it talks about how God would send a judge to deliver them. So the first thing it would talk about is how they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Right. It says, you know, it, it, it starts at Judges chapter two and it talks about how they would uh they had disobeyed the lord and all of this different type of stuff and they had done evil in the house of the lord and then it says that god would raise up a judge to deliver israel out of bondage and this is sort of like a similar cycle to what we read with this particular quote about hard times it says hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men and weak men create hard times israel was the same way if you read the book of judges it's like they would go into bondage which is hard times and then god would have to send a strong man a, a judge a deliverer that's kind of what that word means a leader to get them out of that situation and then once they got comfortable see this is what i'm talking about i'm talking about when I say entertainment, I'm talking about comfort. I'm talking about luxury. Once they got comfortable, okay, then 
that created good times, but it created weak men. And then the weak men created hard times. Now, what's missing in that worldly part of that quote is really talking about how do men use those good times? Because God doesn't have a problem with us having good times. But what typically happens with man is man's idea of good times usually is sinful. <laughs> so good times basically is lasciviousness. It's basically, you know, partying, drinking, having it up, you know, promiscuity, different type of things like that. And that's actually what creates the hard times because there's a price that comes with that particular lifestyle. There's a, a wage that comes with sin and it's death. So things around you will begin to die. And it might not even seem that way apparently, but I believe that this is what we're witnessing in this country. We're having freedoms taken away. And the reason why these freedoms are taken away is because we have mismanaged the freedoms that God has blessed us with. There have been decisions that have been made in this country where men have taken their privilege of good times and now that they have uh, used it to be sinful, God is going to judge that sin. And I believe that a lot of the government we have today is actually the judgment of God. As a matter of fact, I think it says in Romans chapter 13 that we're to obey government because all power comes from God anyway. Okay, that's that's a paraphrase, <laughs> but that's basically what the scripture says. It says that, you know, we're to obey governments, but when we obey these governments, right, uh, the reason we're doing it is because all power stems from God. Romans chapter 13, verse one, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are, excuse me, the powers that be are ordained of God or ordained by God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, I just read that scripture, but let me be very clear about that scripture, because some folks will take that scripture to mean that you just obey anything the government tells you to do. And that's not what that scripture is saying. We are to obey the government until it reaches a point where it goes against the law of God. So we can obey the law of the land. But if the law of the land goes against the law of the spirit, then at that point, we no longer have to obey. How do you know, Greg? Well, if you look at Shad, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, there was a government ordinance ordinance that was instilled right that it was a uh, i forget the word i'm looking at but they 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 uh installed a government ordinance and what he said was what what uh i think it might have been nebuchadnezzar but whoever the king was in babylon what he said was whenever you hear this particular music the flute the sack butt the the harp the hornet and all types of music right you have to bow down and worship this golden image and whoever doesn't worship this golden image is going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision that, listen, we can't bow to that God because our Lord says that you are to have no other gods before me. So I can't bow to you because that means I'm not worshiping my God. And because of that, 
right? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. These were men who were in hard times, but they stood up for what they believed in. And because of that, God was able to protect them even in the midst of the fiery furnace. They threw three in there, but when they looked in the furnace, right, there was a fourth that was as of the son of God. So we have to have confidence that if we decide to take a stand for things that we don't think are right, or let me say a stand for against things that we don't think are right. <laughs> let me say that the right way. Glory to the Lamb of God. If we decide to take a stand for what we believe in, we have to have confidence that God is going to have our back. Even if it doesn't apparently work for our favor, the Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. But we have all of these different scenarios going on. They're mandating these vaccines. And listen, if you want to take the vaccine, uh, be my guest. But my thing is this. If I don't want to take it, then I don't feel like I need to take it. You know what I mean? I, I believe that this is the temple of the Lord and I won't take it unless God tells me to take it. He, This temple belongs to him. But they're trying to create these scenarios that are separating people. If you're not in this seeming majority, then you're going to look like the odd man out when you're in the classroom and you know, you got 25 students in the class and 23 of them have on, don't have on masks, but they have a little vaccine bracelet or something like that. Or they got the app on their phone that says that they've been vaccinated. And then there's two of y'all that are sitting in there. Y'all got to have the mask on. Imagine how that's going to make you feel as a student, as a coworker, as a person that's even in your own church. Right. And so I think there has to really be some real fact-based and, and I'm even leery of saying fact-based because <laughs> the devil is a liar. You know what I mean? I believe we have to look at, I believe we have to talk to people and figure out what's really going on because the media is going to tell you one thing, they're false prophets, but it's not until you really talk to people and kind of get a feel for what's going on to actually figure out what's, what's the real deal. Because as we talked about last week, we had a discussion, are we being gaslighted? We talked about how you're not really going to get the real deal from the media. You might get what they want you to believe, but you're not going to actually get the true story. You're not going to find out what's really happening. What are the real side effects? You know, are people dying for this from this or not? What's really going on? And this is what we have. I believe back to my point about social engineering. If you're in my area right now, the DMV area, I saw a head and that means D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I saw a headline that said something to the effect of four out of five gas stations. Let me see if I can read it verbatim because I might still have it up. It basically said four out of five. Here it is. Four in five D.C. gas stations without fuel amid panic buying. Most of you probably know this story, but if you don't, apparently there's this gas pipeline and somebody has allegedly hacked into it. And because they hacked into it, it has affected gas and it caused everybody to go out and panic buy gas. People are buying gas, filling up their tanks, filling up their gas cartons. I even saw a video of people putting the gas in plastic bags. OK, that, that that's the hysteria that's going on is you literally have people putting gas in plastic bags. Right. And so. Understanding that now, 
um, what's really going on? Unless the Lord really reveals it to us, none of us will really know. What we're being told is that somebody hacked into this pipeline or whatever, and it's just affecting gas and all of this different type of stuff. But I, I wonder if this is a test run, because there's some other murmurings that you hear. There have been murmurings about a chicken shortage. There have been murmurings about food shortages. There have been murmurings about inflation. So is this a test run for something that we're going to see in the future? And we keep saying it's the future, but the fact of the matter is it's happening right now. You know, if you don't have gas in your tank and you need to get to work, and according to the headline in that article, four out of five gas stations don't have gas. Okay, you're in this predicament. It's really shaping up like some sort of apocalyptic end time, last man standing, zombie apocalypse type movie. It, 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 when, you're, when you're sober and clothed in your right mind, it can feel like we're living in some sort of weird movie. And whoever doesn't feel that way is pretty much just one of these NPCs that's in the movie. I call them non-playable characters, right? That's the term. That's what NPC means. It doesn't mean they don't exist. It doesn't mean they're not real people. But what it means is that they've been so indoctrinated into whatever they're, they're being told that they don't even have a mind to think for themselves. And this is a very real issue that we have going on. What are you supposed to do if you can't get gas? What are you supposed to do if it comes to the place where there's a food shortage? How will we even respond to that? And the reason why it matters is because in the book of Revelation, it tells us that this is something that's going to happen. It tells us that they're going to be like a measure of wheat for a penny, a measure of barley for, for a penny or something like that in the book of Revelation. But what that's talking about is inflation. It's saying that, you know, what inflation really is, it means that your dollar is not worth what it used to be worth. So if you go to the store and a carton of eggs costs $2 and then you have some hyperinflation, that carton of eggs is going to cost $3.50 or it's going to cost $4 because the value of that dollar is not stretching as far as it used to stretch. So that's one of the reasons why it matters. Another reason why it matters is because famine is also in the book of Revelation. If you look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse, trying to remember where they are. But if you look in there and it describes those four horsemen, one of them, I believe, was talking about the scales. All right. It was talking about the, the so there are these seals that are open. OK, let me see if I can find it. Glory. OK, here are these horses right here, I think. Um, well, this is not what I was looking for, but this is the part about inflation I was talking about. It says, oh, wait, these are the horses. All right. So I'm in Revelation chapter six. It says this, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went up another horse. So let me back up. That first white horse was a horse of war. That was the conquering horse. So verse three says this, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. 
and there was given unto him a great sword. Okay, so that's another one about violence. Verse five says, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard the voice and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So that's talking about poverty and inflation. And that's the one I cited earlier. Then it says this. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed him, followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So basically, the point I was trying to get to is that part kill with hunger. That's talking about a famine. So it's almost like some of the things that we have going on in this country today feel like they're a test run, a precursor to those elements that we just read from Revelation chapter six. So I'm asking this question tonight. You guys can weigh in in the chat. I'm about to go to the chat right now. Are we being handicapped by entertainment and banter? Are we being handicapped by entertainment and banter? So you're welcome to comment about that or you're welcome to join in on the actual chat. I'll put the link in here one last time for anyone who's bold enough to hop on. Glory to God in the highest. Let me go back up to the top. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God bless everyone that's joining in tonight. Chosen to heal by God says, hi, everyone. My husband, myself and granddaughter is under the weather. Please lift us up in prayer tonight for complete healing with no residual effects in the name of Jesus. Absolutely, sister. We'll certainly um, pray for you and your family. Glory to God in the highest. Everyone, please uh, pray for her and her family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> D Gassaway says, shout out to the 84 babies. God help us. We are spoiled. You know what, sister? We are spoiled. Um, it's always hard to know how spoiled we are or aren't. And I'm kind of different because although I was born in 84, my parents had me kind of late. They actually had me when they were 35 years old. So even though I'm born in 84, I didn't have what they would call Generation X parents. I had boomer parents. So because of that, I had a lot of the boomer concepts that were embedded in me, which is one of the reasons why my thinking is a little bit different from some of the other people that are around my age. It's, I, be, I personally believe that it's because my parents were a little bit older and they raised me with values that were like just a generation behind. Now, of course, it will vary from family to family, from person to person and all of that. But, you know, I say all of that to say, even though we are a little bit spoiled, I do believe that we were graced enough to experience certain concepts and certain values, certain principles that some of this generation today may not be getting. But, uh, but all of that said, we have been quote unquote blessed, it may or may not be a blessing. <laughs> We've been blessed by a lot of amenities. 
you know we we have lived lived in luxury and a lot of that has been because of the hard work that our parents did you know my mother and my father worked extremely hard so that i could be afforded the opportunity and the lifestyle that i have today and you know i kind of work hard but to be honest with you i don't work nearly as hard as as, as them <laughs> right but it's because of their labor and also by the grace of God that we're able to, to, to have the fruit of their labor. And that's one thing my parents always taught me is that the role of the parent is to make their child's life better than the life they had. So if I have a child, then that's going to be my responsibility to make my child's life better than the life I had. Now, the challenge comes in here what does it actually mean to be better? Because I believe that a mistake that was made by a lot of families, um, and I could say a lot of black families, I can't speak for all races, but this could have been the case with other ethnicities and races and stuff like that. Not to get all racial, but I'm just trying to make this point that the more we have in terms of luxury and amenities, the less values and, and the less family oriented we are. Now, this could just be my family, right? I, I could, I might just have a jacked up family. <laughs> but if I think about my father's side, for example, first of all, they had a lot more kids back then. On my dad's side, they had nine children. I think they had five boys and four girls and they all grew up together. And on top of that, they had cousins. So they were rolling deep in the house. They were rolling deep with their cousins. And I would hear them talk about how Growing up, all they did was hang out with one another and spend time with one another. They didn't have what we have today, internet, TV. See, you can you can be in a room with nine people today and you got people that's sitting right in front of you that you can talk to. But instead of you talking to them, you sitting here on your phone talking to, you know, posting a picture for a thousand people that you really barely even know. You know, you got 5,000 friends on your friend list you probably only honestly know, really know like two of them. <laughs> and you probably surface level know maybe like, you know, maybe a hundred, somebody you went to school with, somebody you, you work with or something like that. But we have these surface level connections when we have the opportunity to have this connection with a person tangibly right sitting right in front of your face. But because of the addiction of these devices, because of the luxury of, 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 of the feeling you get when you hear your little notification go off or somebody DM you or somebody text you or something like that, we don't cherish things like they cherish them. So when I would hear him talk about how his generation was and, you know, the time they spent together, I envy that a little bit, like in a healthy way, because I'm like, man, I don't even, first of all, I was raised in the house as an only child. That's the first thing. Now, I did have that type of relationship with my with my friends from school, you know, about four or five of us really close. But my point is, I just don't feel like we have that luxury of not having anything else to do but spend time with one another. I don't feel connected to my cousins. And some of that's me. I can be a little standoffish. I'm that little uppity cousin. But I don't feel connected to my family like that. You know, I love my aunts and my uncles and all, but there's a lot of them I don't know anything about. And a lot of that is because of family drama that I didn't have nothing to do with. But 
anyway, I'm, we're not going to have a therapy session about me on here. But the point I'm trying to make is how do we define better? Because I believe the mistake a lot of black families made was they said we weren't able to afford these shoes when, when I grew up. So I'm going to make sure that my child have all of the Jordans. I'm going to make sure that we got cable TV. I'm going to make sure that we got um, the latest iPhone. It's almost like this. People talk about the spirit of poverty or rejection, but it's almost like that that upbringing of not having anything. The minute that you get a little taste of it, you just don't know what to do with it. And this goes back to what I was saying about Israel and stuff like this. This is why God always told his people to remember. He said, I'm giving you these things to remember. When they crossed over the Jordan River, if I'm not mistaken, they laid out 12 stones and they stacked those 12 stones. And he said, these are put here as a remembrance so that the generations that come after you won't forget what God brought you through. But for some strange reason, it's like, and, and it ain't a strange reason. It's just as, as we said in that quote earlier, it's because of good times. Because of good times, we forget. We forget who God is because we let the PlayStation become our God. We let the Jordans become our God. We let the clout become our God. We let the money become our God, the gold chains, the gold grills. We let all of these different things, the rims, become our God. We let men and women become our God. And it takes, unfortunately, it takes hard times for God to have a reason to remind us of who he is. God would much rather prefer that we didn't have to be reminded of who he is. He would much rather prefer that we just simply know who he is and we don't lose sight of who he is. But the spirit of this world that is intoxicating, the prince and power of the air it's intoxicating. He captures us by pleasures. And the Bible says that um, one of the reasons God will give a strong delusion is because men were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Are you going to love pleasure or are you going to love God? Now, here, now that sounds like kind of wacky, like, man, I can't even have pleasure. It's not that you can't have pleasure. It's that God wants you to have pleasure in him. The Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible says something to the effect of that his right hand is, 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 is fullness of joy. Let me make sure I always get this mixed up. Let me make sure I get it right. And then, you know, in your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You make sure that that's it. Psalm chapter 11. Let's see what we got. Oh, my bad. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Let's see what we have. It is. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So there's pleasure in God. So obviously when God said lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, he's not talking about the pleasures that are in him. He's talking about everything that Satan wants to offer you. I said it before in one solid talk that things have basically been inverted and it, it, it doesn't really work in our favor. And what I mean by that is in the Garden of Eden, what you had was God created this garden where he said you can partake of any tree here except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that tree of knowledge is the one thing that will get you in trouble. Now that Adam and Eve had the fall, it's inverted in the sense of 
now you have a multitude of all of these worldly pleasures <laughs> and there's only one tree which is the tree of life which is jesus christ he said i am the way the truth and the life there's only one tree now that you can eat of and be justified see how good adam and eve had it in the beginning you could have you could eat from any of these trees you want and be justified to be justified means to be in right standing with god or to be righteous you can you can you can eat from any of these trees you want and be righteous just accept as one accept as one but eve saw that tree she saw that it was one to be desired and was good for food then she ate of it and gave it to her husband and he did eat and here we are in 2021 got all of these other trees of unrighteousness and the only tree that we can eat from is the tree of life so just like that tree in the garden though the tree of life is good is one to be desired and it's good for food it's good for food the thing about it was every tree in the garden was was good for food because god told them that if you go back and read it all of them were good for food but for some reason it was that 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 enticement it was that it, it, it was the tree but it was also what came with the tree because there was an a a, a lie that the devil told where he said god does know that if you eat of this tree then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as god knowing good from evil or knowing good and evil and she ate of it <laughs> and uh yeah the rest is history so um because of that now we go through these cycles and we experience what we experience so 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 to my point about what does it really mean to to create a better life for your child in which you have i believe we've made the mistake of believing that luxury is the best thing for people nothing about the reality of life says that luxury let me say it this way let me let me let me make sure i get this right there's nothing inherently wrong with luxury however if you become conditioned to luxury you won't be able to withstand the hardships that come with life whether we're in quote unquote good times or bad times because we live in a fallen world they're going to be hardships and if you haven't had any experience to be able to weather those type of storms then you're not going to be equipped to be able to respond in the right way and that's where we are today i believe that we're in the generation of weak men, but I also believe that God is going to raise up strong men that are going to be able to respond to the situation that we have today. See, people are, are not responding, and if they do respond, it's just online. That's why I'm calling this the, the talking trap. It's almost like, like the devil said, you know what, let me just give them this, this thing right here to distract them and make them feel like they're doing something. It's almost like... <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's ever had a little brother or you just had a cousin or something and maybe y'all were at the family reunion and you and your friends and your cousins are playing a video game and then your little cousin who's like four years old wants to play the game and you just hand him the controller and you make him think he's playing the game when he's really not playing the game at all because y'all want to play the game yourselves <laughs> so you like let us just give him the controller and make him feel like he's doing something I believe that that's what the devil is doing in the kingdom of darkness. I believe they have given us these platforms. And because of these platforms, we, we're playing this controller. We're sending the tweets. 
we're making the statuses we're making a podcast we're doing our solid talk live speaking out loud in depth but at the same time right we're not even actually influencing the game we're not even actually making the moves who's really making the moves is the people who have the real controllers so what that means for us as believers is that we have got to impact this game real time meaning we've got to play the game spiritually because the reason why things are going on in this world today is because of spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It looked like flesh and blood, but that flesh and blood is being influenced by the kingdom of darkness, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. So these are the things that we have to really think about. Um, it's good to give your children nice things. But you need to make sure your children understand concepts like work ethic, concepts like adversity, because we can be a little spoiled. I, I even I was kind of raised a little bit spoiled. I didn't do a lot of chores. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but by the grace of God, I saw my parents work. So I understand what work looks like. It was so it was so interesting with me that by the time I got to be in my teens, I actually wanted to do chores because I always felt like my parents babied me. You know, I got these cheeks. I always look a little bit younger than my age. So so I used to get annoyed by them doing everything for me. My mom is a cleanaholic. She is a keeper of the home. My dad was a hard worker. Uh, he's a fixaholic. So it wasn't really too much I needed to do. Every now and then they might ask me to do the dishes you know, I think around 16, I started cutting the grass, but I like that. You know what I'm saying? I like doing that because I wasn't asked to do it at first. I kind of think that they would treat me that way a little bit out of guilt because I kind of grew up in a lot of arguing and stuff like that. And I think I did well on my report card and stuff like that. So they probably were like, listen, <laughs> let's just let him do we do what he want to do or whatever. You know, he doing he seemed to be doing the right thing. But you've got to instill work ethic in your children. You've got to show them adversity. You got to show them the real world. I know a couple, they had a young child. She was probably like five or six or seven. They said that they would drive her past the homeless people every now and then just to let her know, hey, we live in a nice home. We provide for you and stuff like that. But there's people out here that aren't as privileged as you for whatever reason. It could be hard times. It could be that they're a bum and they don't want to work. But whatever the case may be, everybody doesn't have what you have. So you need to be appreciative and humble for what we for what you do have. So these are the type of principles that we got to instill in folks. So glory to the Lamb of God. Sister D says, we must remember that our enemy is the prince and power of the air waves it was always coming to this rapidly spreading lies at the end. Absolutely, sister. You got to it even before I got to it. He's the prince and power of the air. She says, binding him, the evil prince, in the mighty name of Yeshua, the king. Amen, sister. Absolutely. Glory to God. Wicked and lazy servants. Comfort makes us lazy, unproductive in the Lord's work. I believe slothfulness is an underrated sin. I believe gluttony is also an underrated sin because in some ways, sometimes they work hand in hand and I've dealt with both of them, both of them, 
<laughs> if I'm being transparent, you know, but slothfulness is, and laziness is very prideful because it makes the assumption that we have time at our disposal. It makes the assumption that because because it also ties into procrastination. So it makes the assumption that, OK, I can just do this tomorrow. I don't feel like doing this where God is thinking I have a harvest that I need to get done. I have souls that need to be saved. We are under a dispensation of of times, a dispensation of grace. And one day Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, right, we we don't want him to catch us with our work undone. That's my, for lack of a better word, that, that's my concern. I'm not going to say fear. My concern is like the old folks say, don't let him catch you with your work undone. And, you know, everybody be standing up like, oh, what's my purpose? I want to know my purpose. And everybody want all these different things that they want to do. <laughs> but you got to know that if the Lord gives you something to do, you have to do it. And the thing that he gives you to do is not going to be something that you can just pick up and just do on your own. He's going to do something through you where he's going to do it. He's going to be glorified. He's going to get the glory out of whatever it is that he assigns you to do. Meaning that there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be a lot of prayer. The point I'm trying to make is it's not going to come effortlessly. See, a lot of times we we just want our purpose because we think, okay, I'm, I'm going to get it. Then I'm going to just do it. But it's going to come with much prayer, much fasting, much seeking the Lord, much adversity, much spiritual warfare. And then through all of that, you can't let him catch you with your work undone. Look at the parable of the of the talents, right? He gave some people different number of talents. One guy might have had 10. He might have made 10 or he had five and made 10 or something like that. And then the one guy took his talent and he hid it. And he said, well, why did you hide it? He said, well, I knew you were a hard man. So what did he do? He took his talent and gave it to the dude that had 10. <laughs> you know, God loves us. But in that parable, he says that he is a hard man. He's a hard man. Okay meaning that you don't want him to catch you with your work undone. If he gives you gifts, utilize those gifts for his glory, for his kingdom. That's the reason why he gave them to us. So yeah, we've got to be productive. We got to be productive. You know, we got to move from a place of, of consuming to producing a lot. Of, I, me personally, I consume, consume, I consume a lot of stuff, but we got to get out there and produce. Sister Roxanne says, Daniel three and one, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and King Nebuchadnezzar worshiping the image of gold. Absolutely. Thank you, sister, for citing that scripture. Big Heart says people are trusting the world instead of the most high. Absolutely. D. Gasway says ignorance is not bliss. It's dangerous. Help Jesus come Lord. Absolutely. Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. It doesn't say my people are excused for lack of knowledge. It doesn't say, you know, my people, they'll be all right with lack of knowledge. It says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Wow. Mm. Big heart says falling away. D says we are surrounded by NPCs and the walking dead and they don't know. Wow. That is so true. But, you know, we got to open people's eyes up as, as, as best we can, as best we can. We got to get out into these harvests, shed light. Because the Bible says, a city that's set up on a hill cannot be hidden. Glory to God. Sister Julie says, yes, yes, and yes. We are being handicapped by the silliness of the world. The lack of character to work 
and make a living for yourself, the lack of morality, etc. She says, born in 86, baby boomer parents. See, Sister Julie, understand where I'm coming from. Glory to God, sister. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. She says, in my household, my parents didn't have cable until 12 years ago. We've always lived a simple life and not many outsiders within the family were a strong little, we're a strong little family unit. And for that, I'm thankful. That's a blessing. That's a true blessing. That's a true blessing. You know, it, it, we sit at the dinner table with folks and we be on our phones. We is me. We be me. <laughs> now I say this, like if I'm a, if I'm with like my uncles or something and they're older, I already know, like, I'm just not going to be on my phone because these are grown men. They in their 50s, 60s and 70s. I know men, men ain't with all the technology, like older men they ain't really with all the technology stuff. But if it's like somebody, me and my age and they get on their phone, like, all right, we going to both be on our phone. We going to be, you know, <laughs> we have an understanding. But um, but understanding that I do believe that it's best to just sit there and really really connect with people, really pour into one another and grow from one another. Chosen by, to heal by God says the teen granddaughter that my husband and I have been raising since birth in the best way we know how with the Lord's help. And she had the nerve to post money over loyalty. And we were shocked. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that sister. Um, the reason why I chuckled a little bit is because yes, sometimes we can raise our children in the right way. And there's like a tug of war where even if you raise your kids the right way, sometimes you send your kids off to school, they get influenced by other kids. You, your kid has the internet, they get a cell phone, they get on Instagram, they get on Twitter and who knows what else. And they get influenced by all of these other things. So in some cases, the parents might've done everything right but it's just like the enemy kind of comes to sift and this is where we have to have faith that train up a child in the way he should go and when he is older he would not depart from it we have to have faith that whatever you've instilled at some point is going to kick in i was kind of the same way i had a, a a mom and a dad who i believe they were not perfect or flawless i'll say they weren't flawless but they um they had a lot of values that I could appreciate and a lot of good values that they instilled in me yet. And still I was influenced by it, by the rappers. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't thugging or nothing like that, but there was other little, little life principles and, and, uh, concepts and the way I relate to people, the way I relate to women and all these different things that I didn't learn from my parents, but I learned that from these other guys, right? These 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 weak men that are living in good times because they don't need to have any values and the bravado, the machismo was more alluring than my dad, who might have been working a nine to five. But this guy coming in, coming through in a big body bands on 24 inch rims and got a gold grill with diamonds in it and chains and some video vixens on his side, like to a young person, that stuff can be appealing. So by the grace of God, whatever my parents instilled in me kicked in eventually at like 28 when God called me out of the world. Right. And 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 here I am today. So even though that obviously must have hurt you a little bit or offended you that she would put something like that, 
just trust God that whatever you've instilled has not fallen on deaf ears. The reason I chuckled a little bit is because she could actually believe that, or it could just be one of these little catchy memes that people just float around. That's the funny thing about the internet, right? <laughs> on the internet, um, everybody else is toxic. Everybody has all these issues with who, I don't know who y'all be arguing with. Everybody like, <laughs> everybody got all of these different examples about why you need to stay away from other people. And that's all it is. And then the rest of it is other other people telling each other how to adult because there's been this vacuum of parenting. But to your point, it hasn't, it may not necessarily always be a vacuum of parenting. Sometimes it could just be that the influence of the media just carry more weight than what that parent might have said, at least for the short term, at least for the short term. So just be prayerful about it, sister. I, I know that has to annoy you for your child to say something like that when y'all have basically worked hard, bent over backwards for, for her. <laughs> yeah, the dead controller. You know, you get your little cousin that little controller, and they just and they be having the time of their life too. That's the that's the other thing about it. When you're on Twitter, you really think you be doing something. You know what I mean? Oh, this gonna get them. Oh, <laughs> you really think? And that's how the little kid be. They looking at the screen and everything. Their nose running, <laughs> and they really think they doing something. Lord have mercy. All right, let's see. She says at times I feel so heavy burdened down with trying to train my 14-year-old teen granddaughter who has everything she needs and we give some extra but she leaves me scratching my head yes yeah, sister just just hang in there just hang in there just hang in there hallelujah counterfeits counterfeit rewards from satan's world masking itself as god's blessing if one is not very careful and even some pastors on social media are still teasing, itching ears. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly where we are today. Exactly what you said. They're still teasing, itching ears. Man, man. Glory to God. Glory to God. So listen, family, we kind of chopped this up a little bit. I just want to kind of reiterate with what we started with today in this solid talk entitled the talking trap the question is are we being handicapped by entertainment and banter how far does talking really go you know talking it can only go but so far at some point there has to be action and it doesn't have to be violence you, you had a civil rights movement that was based solely off of nonviolence, and they were able to create change in the country and ultimately in the world but I really do believe that there's a there's this trap of luxury and talking. And I, I talked about this in a solid talk a few years ago entitled Tired of Talking, basically about the same topic. <laughs> and I'm just making a point that people's minds are made up a lot of times. People's minds are made up. So unless you really sit down with somebody and and, and really you know, encounter them, nothing's going to change behind the screen. It's, it's just a lot of fuel that's being burned. You can have some influence. Okay. There's some influence, but as far as these polarizing issues, these polarizing issues, folks have had their minds made up. So we who are spiritual, what we need to do is we need to focus on the harvest. 
we need to focus on it's got to be almost like a grassroots effort we got to focus on trying to save people and trying to spread the gospel or let me say it this way because we really can't save nobody we need to focus on spreading the gospel that saves just let people know jesus christ came into the world to save sinners that's what the lord placed in my spirit this today as i was walking jesus christ came into the world to save sinners that's that's what folks need to know because a lot of folks are in sin a lot of folks feel like because of my sin god doesn't want me or i got to get right before i get to god just tell them jesus christ came into the world to save sinners i'm gonna read this quote one last time then we're gonna go hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men which is where i believe we are now and and i believe where where we're in the midst of transitioning unfortunately weak men create hard times we've not really seen real hard times in this country for real i mean we had some moments you know 9 11 you got school shootings and stuff like that but compared to the world history america as it is today is the greatest country that's ever been in the face of this earth as far as like opportunity as far as amenities luxury wealth (laughs) this is probably the wealthiest country that's ever existed so so when i say we haven't seen hard times i'm talking about like compared to world history but i believe that as a part of judgment we're probably going to face those hard times And it's my prayer that God will raise up strong men that will deliver us out of those hard times. It means you got to be willing to fight for something. You got to be willing to die for something. It's hard to die for something when you have luxury as the alternative. But at some point, we got to make a decision. Listen, okay, this luxury or whatever, cool. But eventually that's going to get taken away because if your freedoms get taken away, you really now the way they're positioning it, you won't even have luxury, you know, if you don't acquiesce to what they want you to do. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, I don't want to take the vaccine. The way they try and make it go is like you won't be able to even go to the baseball game. Right now they're saying you can go to the baseball game, but you're just going to have to wear a mask. But we know ultimately where that's heading is, okay, you're not going to be able to come to your job. You're not going to be able to go to the softball game. That's That's where it's heading, meaning that you won't even have your luxuries which is what what is hard times and then out of those hard times has to be birth weak man i'm praying in the next couple weeks we're going to be able to talk more about building up men male leadership where men need to be and what we need to do in order to do what god has called us to do in this earth so listen family that's all i have in this solid talk i pray that you've been blessed by this discussion and that you've been edified you all take care and be blessed it's a solid talk. Speaking out loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. And from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. I keep it solid, I'm dropping knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, just like you done went to college. Devil know we working, his goal is to try to stop it. Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it. Controversial topics, just to keep it honest. Truth hit hard, just like it's a blunt object culture living godless i can't even call it we in the last days babylon is falling 
Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya This walk can get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only a render shall be saved We trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages the blood of jesus covers all my sin and it erases i pleaded and believe it so it covers all my bases speaking out loud in depth cancel culture can't keep me in check and from beginning gotta tell us what's next true believers they can come and connect call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Try and keep my sanity amongst calamity Social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity PC culture on a mission and they try to cancel me But I know Jesus gonna keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty, no I can't handle me Not where I wanna be, but best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit, main event and slamboree So I need him every day, this daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron, so I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here, but guaranteed the link in heaven the born again and righteous are the ones he's gonna let in let's keep the faith and be amongst the saints when they step in